Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, it's Susan Pinkney, your host of the Southern Belle of Beverly Hills on the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe this week's episode, True Crime? First, let me say, sometimes California, Los Angeles, Hollywood, Beverly Hills, the entertainment industry, television and film industry, it gets a bad rap. People want to point to the bad actors. I don't mean people who don't give good performances on stage. I mean the bad actors, the people who are toxic, who are misogynistic, the people who try to tear people down because they feel little and insecure and sometimes are very little experienced. So they want to make other people look bad to make themselves feel better or to make their lack of experience look better. I'm talking about the people who are involved in the Me Too movement, the people who hurt people for fun or hurt people because they're just psychotic. (laughs) I'm talking about the real bad actors. Yes, there are those people here in Los Angeles. Of course, they exist here. But guess what? They also exist in Oklahoma. They also exist in Virginia. They exist all across the United States. Oh wait, they exist around the world. They're everywhere. And sometimes when I share with my people who love me, my group, my friends, my support system, sometimes when I share with them some of the things that you do encounter working in the entertainment industry that aren't so great, They like to focus on the idea that those things are limited to the entertainment industry and to Los Angeles and to the people who live and work in this area. And I have to remind them that in general, there are good and bad people everywhere. I like to believe in the best in everyone. Like I like to think that People are innately good. People don't want to hurt. People don't want to to destroy other people. I know it's a little bit utopian. I know that um, there's lots of things to kind of dispel that and to prove that wrong. But I would rather be wrong about someone, giving them the benefit of the doubt, and trying to connect on a human level than to automatically group, you know, a certain large group of people or people who look this way or people who talk this way or people who are from California or people who are from the South or whatever. I would rather accept people as individuals on a human basis until they prove otherwise, until they prove that I shouldn't. I've had really great work experiences across the United States, really. I've had really great coworkers and colleagues. I've been fortunate and blessed to work with some of the brightest and the most talented people in any industry, let alone my industry, the entertainment industry. So I know how lucky I am to work in this entertainment industry 
even with the sometimes bad seeds. But there is something to be said for that innocence. I remember how it felt when I first began my professional life. I say my first adult jobs, as I talk about, I worked in professional sports in professional baseball for a number of years. And my start was as the director of community relations for the Mets AAA team that was located in Virginia. I was in my early to mid 20s and my coworkers were mostly in their early to mid 20s. We spent more time at the ballpark than we did at home or with our families. We were there on holidays, we were there on weekends, we were there mornings and nights. I remember there was a period of time where we had a couple long homestands. Um, and because of these long homestands, we went probably 28 to 30 days without having a day off because obviously we worked Monday through Friday, whether or not there was a game. So we really got to know each other well and we became kind of this weird, dysfunctional, but loving and trusting family. My coworkers and I, we got close because we had to, we had to be close. We, we had to rely on each other, depend on each other. We worked together all the time. Obviously it's a lot more fun to engage with your coworkers than it is to not get to know them and spend your free time with them even. So it would be funny because we would have this long time that we'd have to be together for work. And then on our little bit of free time, we'd find ways to all go out and hang out and do things together as a group, as a team. I remember we went on, it's a, a boat called the American Rover. It's a, a sailboat in Norfolk. And we went out on the American Rover as a, a group outing. And we all had such a great time. We did lots of different things like that. Even after the season was over, we would go on retreats together. The purpose of these retreats would be to have a post-mortem of what worked throughout the season, what didn't work. Some of these retreats would take place in Nags Head, North Carolina. We'd stay in little resort cottages, or we'd drive up to Massanutten, which is near James Madison University where I went to college. And we would stay in these ski resort little cabins, have all these events planned, team building experiences planned, as well as, of course, our meetings, that kind of thing. So we really got to know each other and we spent a lot of time together. It's a good thing that just about everybody was super cool and fun. And it didn't matter which one, which person in the group you were paired with or that you had to have a team bonding experience with. Every single person was super cool. There was a time when our boss, Dave Rosenfield, had one of the many people who went on to bigger and better things, including like writing episodes for The Simpsons or uh, managing other teams or you name it. So many people actually came through the Norfolk Tides office, which is it's kind of a weird, strange dynamic, but so many people went through the Tides office and went on to do big things in either baseball or in other fields. It was a good place, a good first stop for a lot of people. Well, Dave Rosenfield, he had tickets for the Baltimore Orioles game one year and invited anybody in the office who wanted to go 
to go. The game happened on a weeknight and you could go, but you had to be at work the next day. And so a bunch of people were like, I'm out, not gonna do it. Not gonna drive four hours up, four hours back, see the game and have to be at work tomorrow morning. Well, I was always a trooper and free baseball, free major league baseball was, for me, it was it was something fun to do, especially midweek. I ended up riding with one of my coworkers who was the assistant general manager of the novelty and concessions part of the company. I rode with him and another guy and we basically went up to Baltimore, watched the game and drove back. And I remember asking him if he wanted me to help drive. He insisted, no, I got this, no problem. I was like, are you sure you're not gonna fall asleep? He said, I promise you, I will not fall asleep. I got this and I'm like, okay, great. So I remember getting comfortable in the back seat and purposefully falling asleep because he said he had it and he had another co-pilot in the front seat with him. So I felt very safe and comfortable and secure. Halfway through my nap, I start to hear the little noise when you're driving on the line of the highway. I wake up immediately and we're traveling on one of the lines going towards the, the trees, going towards the ditch of, of I-64 into the forest. And we did not veer off of the road, but he was barely hanging on that line as we were bumping along. And I remember speaking to him like he was my brother or my cousin or whatever. And I was like, I thought you said you were, you were gonna be awake and you had this. I told you I would drive. And he goes, I did not fall asleep. And I was like, okay, so why, are we, why were we on the line? And he goes, I didn't fall asleep. And I said, okay, so do you want me to drive? And he was like, no, I got this. I told you I got this. Don't worry about it. I, I don't sleep. And I was like, you don't sleep. He goes, no, I don't sleep. And I was like, okay, are you sure? He's, I got this. Don't worry. I don't sleep. You're fine. You can go back to sleep. And then he handed me a jacket or something from the front seat and said, put this over you. So I was like, oh, that's really sweet. So I curled back up in the back seat with this flannel shirt or whatever over me to go back to sleep. A couple hours later, arrived home, he dropped me off. Next day I saw him at work. I thanked him again for letting me wear the, the jacket in the back seat as I slept. And that was that. There was another time where one of my coworkers who had children that were close to our age. So we always felt like she was a lot older than we were. But when I look back at it now, I realize that she was probably just in her 40s maybe, maybe late 40s, but she was could have been early to mid 40s. Um, but it's just the fact that she had children that were close to our age. We always treated her like she was like the older person around. And she kind of, of course, took that role with all of us as well. Whenever we would travel and if the rooms were limited and we had to share, they would always put me and her together because there were not any other women working full time year round. So she and I would always have to be roommates or share at the baseball winter meetings or whatever it was that we were doing. She was a really sweet, caring, kind of loving, almost motherly figure to all of us. And I remember when she was doing remodeling to her condo, which was a super cute condo, by the way, very modern. And 
not what you would think of as a traditional Virginia Beach condo, but it was super cute and modern and she had it decorated, if I recall, in a lot of pink and a lot of gray, which was kind of ahead of her time, I guess. Not sure, but it was, she had a really cute condo and I remember her asking if I wanted this TV that she was giving away. It was a huge TV, giant. Huge TVs then are different than huge TVs now. TVs now are flat. TVs then may have been flat in the front, but had a big body that stuck out in the back. So it was a giant TV with this big, huge protruding body from the back. And she asked me if I wanted it. And of course, in my little cute little townhouse, I wanted the TV. So she said, I'll get it to the ballpark and then you just find a way to get it home. I said, perfect, wonderful. Thank you so much, I truly appreciate it. The same guy that I wrote to Baltimore with, um, his name is Mike, by the way, Mike Jones. So the same guy that I rode to Baltimore with saw me and Linda trying to put this TV in my car, which was not going to happen. It wasn't even going to get close to happening. So we carried it outside. We struggled with this TV. It was ridiculously heavy. We carried it outside, we got it close to my car and we just kind of stared like, okay, it's not going in the trunk, it's not going in the back seat, not sure what's gonna happen. So Mike walks out, he sees us standing there with the TV and he's like, what's going on? And I told him that I was trying to get the TV home. And he laughed and was like, well, you know it's not going in your car. And I was like, well, yeah, we kind of figured that out. He said, if you want, I can follow you home and drop it off for you. And I was like, oh my gosh, that would be so awesome. And he was like, okay, so I'll do that. Later that day, he loaded the TV into his car, followed me home. And by the way, he was able to maneuver, lift and carry this TV like it was nothing, like it was a backpack. And he followed me home, got to my driveway and put the TV in my driveway and started backing away. And I was like, wait, well, wait, what are you doing? He was like, I'm not going into your house. And I was like, you got the TV all the way here and just gonna leave it in the driveway? Can you please just help me get it in? He goes, I'm not going into your house. And I was like, okay, I really appreciate you getting the TV here. Thank you, you have a good night. And I was just floored. I'm like, I can't believe it that he drove it all the way here, volunteered to do it, which I appreciate it, but wouldn't, literally take it from the driveway to just just inside the door wouldn't do it but before he left he did tell me how to get it inside the house he told me that i should put it on a blanket and then drag the blanket across the threshold and into the house and into whatever room i needed to get it into so that's what i did and it kind of worked like a charm there was another time when Jamie Foxx was performing somewhere where one of Mike's girlfriends worked. And he remembered that I was crazy about the show In Living Color, and I thought Jamie Foxx was one of the funniest people on the planet. So he surprised me by bringing a cardboard cutout. At the time, I guess Jamie Foxx was a pitch man for Coors Beer. 
it was a cardboard cutout of Jamie Foxx holding a Coors Light can that was signed to Susan Love Jamie Foxx. And Mike got it signed for me simply because he knew that I was a huge fan and obviously that I would have been jealous to find out that he was there hanging out with Jamie Foxx. I was so excited, couldn't believe it. It was awesome. I also remember a time when Mike Jones, to me, said something super off color that I didn't understand or know why he would have said anything like that to me. He said something to the effect of, you don't have to worry about me because I don't like black girls. And Mike Jones was a black guy. He was a black guy that looked a lot like Eddie Murphy's Nutty Professor. And as a matter of fact, the other guys that we worked with used to call him the Nutty Professor. Not so much because of his size, although he was big like that in stature. I guess he would be about, I don't know, maybe six, five or so. And then he was, he was wide and big like the Nutty Professor. But not so much because of his size, but because of his face. He had a very pleasant, kind face. And they called him Nutty Professor. But I remember him saying to me once, you don't have to worry about me. I don't like black girls. And I responded to him the way that I would respond to anyone who insulted me and the rest of my black sisters all around the world for no reason. I didn't ask him anything. He just suggested it. And in his suggestion, I immediately said back to him, I said, well, great, because I'm sure that we don't like you either. And now that I look back, I mean, obviously, I didn't have to say anything. I could have just walked away. But it was what I thought of immediately when he said that to me for no reason. Other than that, there was never, ever a crossword, never any feeling of being scared or, or creeped out or he was just a really considerate, sometimes generous person to the people who worked in the organization. He was just one of those people that was always very helpful. And apparently he would make jokes or say things that were off color that sometimes you would wonder where it came from. But he was just a normal guy to the people that he worked with. Fast forward to me living in Beverly Hills, living my dream, working in the entertainment industry. And it was one Friday night and I was very comfortable at home watching my Friday night programs, which included 2020. There was an episode of, of 2020 called Woman in the Suitcase. As I'm watching it, they're revealing this mystery of a woman who was in a Miami hotel because she was injured on a cruise ship and her employer, the cruise line, had her there while she was recovering. During the time that she was staying in this hotel recovering, she disappeared. And she was found the next morning inside of a suitcase, left for dead in a residential area of Miami. Immediately, people tried to disparage her and tear her character down because she couldn't remember what happened to her. She was beaten so badly that she could not remember the details of her attack or how she ended up in the suitcase. 
After months of speculation and police and detectives labeling her as a sex worker and a prostitute and all of these other things, after months and months of her trying to figure out what actually happened to her, a private investigator came along to work alongside the hotel who was being sued for its part in her disappearance. The private investigator noticed that when she was last seen returning from going to the convenience store next door to the hotel, there was a guy who walked into the elevator behind her. When they freeze framed on this guy that walked into the elevator behind her, as I'm watching this episode of 2020, I immediately recognized him to be my old coworker with the Norfolk Tides. I screamed in my apartment. I screamed because I'm looking at a hotel camera image of Mike Jones, who I knew from working for the Norfolk Tides, and I was in shock. And I didn't know, as they go to commercial, how much they knew and what they didn't know. Were they able to recognize this? Were they, had they identified this guy that they just had his image up on the screen? Did they know who he was? Like, did I need to call the police right away? Should I wait till the commercial break to come back to find out what they know and what they don't know? Like I was in a panic for the next two minutes until the 2020 episode came back. Immediately I learned from the preview of what was to come in the episode that they did eventually identify him. So then I knew I didn't need to call the police or let them know, like, I, I know who this guy is. I watched the episode in horror to learn that someone that I knew that I worked with was capable of beating a woman to almost death, leaving her to die, crammed inside of a suitcase. It was shocking. It was horrific. It was something that's incomprehensible. And then I further learned that he was a serial rapist. And I don't even think that serial rapist is the correct terminology because when you beat someone and leave them for dead, it kind of feels like if they die, then you're a murderer. So you're like a serial killer. So it's almost like he was a serial killer, but they didn't die. They were able to connect him to not only the woman in Miami, and by the way, he was in Miami on a convention, but not only the woman in Miami, they were able to connect him to a woman in Colorado, as well as two women in New Orleans. And the MO was the same with the woman in Colorado and the two women in New Orleans where he offered them rides. And he had, like I said, a very pleasant face, very pleasant demeanor. So he offered them rides because they were waiting for a cab or waiting for a bus or whatever. And he offered them a ride and they accepted. And he was a monster. This is someone that I know, that I knew from working in Virginia. This is someone that I knew from my very Americana baseball career. So I say all of that to remind people that there is good and bad everywhere. I mean, really good people everywhere and really bad people everywhere. And it's really not based on a location. And it's certainly not based on an industry. And it's definitely not based on 
whether or not you work in television, film, or entertainment, it has nothing to do with any of those things. Of course, if you know a very famous name like Weinstein, or if there's some very famous connection, people are going to hear more about it and talk more about it. But there are horrible predator type people everywhere in the world. There are definitely really good wonderful, warm, engaging, loving, caring, nurturing people everywhere, especially and including in the entertainment industry. And so it's not hard for me to push past the toxic people or to push past the horrible people that people know about from the entertainment industry. It's not hard for me to push past the idea that not everybody in Hollywood is great, but the majority of the people are. Support for the Southern Belle of Beverly Hills is brought to you by Just Live, a trusted source of high quality wellness CBD products created by athletes just for you. Have problems sleeping, focus, energy, immune system, or stress? Just Live came out with their new CBD gummy line. They have six different flavors and functions, including sleep, energy, focus, immunity, calm, and vitamin C. Plus, they're vegan and low in sugar. Just Live was founded by professional athletes Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, Travis Pastrana, and Paul Rodriguez because they wanted to create a CBD product that they could trust and could stand behind. If you need support, in any of those areas, sleep, focus, energy, stress, or immune health, I highly recommend giving these a try. Right now, if you buy one of their new gummy products, you get one free. There are six different benefits to choose from, and instead of just choosing one, visit justlive.com and use code SUPPORT to buy one and get one free. That's buy one, get one free at justlive.com. Use code SUPPORT. So, hey, if you enjoyed this show, please rate and subscribe on iTunes. Also, you can find it at Believe Podcast, as well as Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher Luminary, and TuneIn. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.